Let me ask you a question. What has been the best day of your life? So what has been the best day of your life? I think most of you would probably say the day that your children were born, or maybe the day that you got married, or you, maybe you, you might have a whole bunch. Of, I remember when I, was, when I was younger, and I thought the best day of my life, I remember being you know, 14, 15 years old, thinking the best day of my life is going to be when I get my driver's license. <laughs> and when I'm driving solo down the road, visiting my girlfriend and going wherever, going to the beach by myself. I can take the car. That's going to be the best day of my life when I get my license. And then I got my license. And you know what I thought? No, the best day of my life is going to be when I move out of my house, out of my parents' house, and I, and I get my own place, and, and I get to do whatever I want. I get to play as many video games as I want, right? Eat as much junk food as I want. That'll be the best day of my life. And then I moved out of the house, and you know what I began to think? No, the best day of my life is going to be my wedding day. Actually, what I was thinking was going to be my wedding night. It was going to be the best, the best day. You know what I mean? Guys, let's just be honest, okay? This is what you were all thinking. The best day of my life is going to be my wedding night. And then the wedding night happened, and it was great. It was amazing. But after that, <laughs> I, I don't TMI, okay? I know this is church, but I'm being real with you, church, okay? And I remember after the wedding, I thought, you know, the best day of my life is going to be when I have my kids, and I started having kids, and those were great days. And, but, you know, after I had my kids, I thought the best day of my life is when I figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life, right? It's when, when I'm actually, like, in my career, and I make it to the top of whatever corporate ladder I have to climb. That'll be the best day of my life. The point is this, is that tomorrow always seems better than today, doesn't it? That the grass is always greener tomorrow. That tomorrow holds more potential. Maybe you have an idea of what the best day of your life is, but let me ask you this question. What is the most important day of your life? What was the most important day of your life? Some of you might say that it was the day that you accepted Jesus into your heart. I believe that's an important thing. Or maybe you found the right person to marry. That's an important day of your life. But let me make an argument that I believe that the most important day of your life is today. Because it's the only day that is guaranteed to us right now. It's the only day that we have. So, much, uh, so often we look at tomorrow as holding so much more potential that, you know what, I'm not gonna become the person I wanna become today. I have to wait till tomorrow because tomorrow I'll be ready. T tomorrow has more potential. Today is often overshadowed by, that, by the thought that tomorrow will be better than yesterday well, excuse me, will be better than today. And maybe it's also overshadowed by the thought that yesterday was a wasted opportunity. And maybe we live in regret that we didn't make the decisions we wanted to make yesterday. We didn't accomplish the things that we wanted to do yesterday. So today we live in regret of the things that we didn't do yesterday. It's often, today is often overshadowed by either yesterday or tomorrow. And we think that we, we, we're not prepared enough, we're not old enough or young enough maybe to achieve that goal, so we wait for tomorrow thinking we will be ready. But tomorrow we often feel the same way. Life consists of the past, the present, and the future, and most people either live in the past through regret or they live in the future through wishful thinking. But the only day that you can actually live is today. It's the only day that is guaranteed to us. It's the only day that we have. And it's a shame to let the regrets of the past or the dreams of the future keep us from making today the most important day of our life. 
making today the best day of our, of our life. It's the only day that we can live. James chapter 4, verse 14, are you there? It says, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Well, that's really encouraging. Pastor, thanks for, for speaking that life-giving message to me this Sunday morning that I'm a mist that's going to disappear. I'm going to vanish. But you know what? I believe there's a, there's a message of hope in the book of James that, 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 that change can happen today. That, that the most, the, the, the things that we, we all want to achieve success, don't we? We all want to be the fullest potential. We all want to have the, achieve the fullest potential for ourselves, and, and we want to achieve success. We have great things in store for our future, but, but oftentimes we think that that's going to start tomorrow. But the reality is, is those things start today. But we'll, we have to talk about what success is if we're going to talk about seizing today and all of its opportunities and all of its decisions. Well, what is success? Pop culture I think would say that it's when everyone knows your name or knows your achievements, right? It's, it's having money. Pop culture would tell us that it's fame. It's when people know who you are. It's when you have X amount of money in the bank or it's, it's when you have a certain amount of influence. And maybe for you, success is if all of your children grow up to be responsible adults, then you've achieved success. And that's not a bad goal. It's not a bad thing to want that. Maybe for some of you, it's if I leave X amount of money for my family when I die, then I will be successful. I want to leave a legacy for my kids. I want to leave security, financial security for my kids. That's not a bad thing, but it's not what God says success is. Maybe success for you is grounded in your spiritual life or how long your marriage lasts. Maybe that's what success is for you. And some of these goals are very good. Having a long marriage, that's a great goal to have. Leaving a legacy for your kids, that's a great goal to have. But the problem is when you put your identity in these goals. The problem is when you place your identity in all of these things because the truth is, is that all of these things fade away. A long marriage is great, but... As much as I hate to say it, it's, like it's not going to last forever. You can't take that with you into eternity. What is success in God's eyes? Some of these goals, they keep us racing. They keep us moving. They keep us, they keep us wanting to be better than the people to our left and our right. Some of these goals that we have, these ideas of success that we have, keep us uh, wanting more for tomorrow, and they keep us looking to our left and our right at the people beside us, or maybe we go on Facebook or our, our other social media accounts, and we compare our lives with other people around us, or maybe you're comparing yourself to your neighbor down the street, and, and we want what other people have, and some of these goals keep us racing, and they make us feel discouraged because we feel like we messed up, and we don't have time anymore to accomplish those goals that we want to achieve. Today is meant, is meant to have the most power because it's the only day that we can truly live. Instead, we give yesterday more gravity. We give tomorrow more gravity. But today, you have the opportunity to make little decisions that will affect the course of your entire life. Spiritual growth doesn't happen tomorrow. It happens right now. Right? 
achieving all that God wants you to become as, a, as an individual, as a husband, as a father, as a co-worker, as a friend, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Getting to that place doesn't start tomorrow. It starts today. It starts with the little choices. It, 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 just, it starts with little defining moments in our life. Well, I want to talk for a bit about some of the, the, the I want to talk about the misunderstanding of today. I want to talk about the importance of today, and I want to talk about the use of today. The misunderstanding of today is this, is that today isn't as good as tomorrow. Tomorrow holds more, more potential. We say to ourselves, I'm going to start that project tomorrow because today I don't really feel like it, or my personal favorite, I'm going to start getting in shape tomorrow because today I had, today I had pancakes for breakfast, and I took a three-hour nap. And I just don't feel like today is a good day to get started, you know, getting physically fit. I don't feel like today is a good day to get ready. It's one of my personal favorites because I say that to myself all the time. I'll start tomorrow. I'll start eating better tomorrow. Today, today doesn't hold as much potential as tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to really feel it. I'm going to feel the energy. I'm going to feel what it is. Today isn't as good as tomorrow. Another misunderstanding of today is that today is a consequence of yesterday's actions. That I'm experiencing the things in my life today because of the mistakes that I've made. Some of us live, in, uh, some of us live in today uh, full of regret and full of shame because of things or mistakes that have happened in the past. Things that we don't think can change. Let me give you an example. We say sometimes to ourselves, "I'm naturally prone to anger because my father was naturally prone to anger." And I can't change it. It's a result of what happened yesterday. And I don't have any control over it today. Or maybe this. I waited too long to save for retirement. So now there's no point. I wasted yesterday. And we live in regret that I can't make changes today. I can't make decisions. I can't have defining moments today. Because yesterday was too powerful of a defining moment over my life. I'm too old to continue my education or pursue my dreams. I wasted yesterday. The misunderstanding of today is that it's not as good as tomorrow or it's a consequence of yesterday. That's the misunderstanding of today. The importance of today is this, is that today is all that you have. It's the only day that God guarantees to you. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what will be required of us tomorrow. Today is an opportunity that you have to make changes, to affect eternity, to impact the kingdom. Did you know that today you can impact the kingdom of God? Amen. We think if nobody, if nobody knows my name or nobody knows my, what I did for the kingdom of God, how can the kingdom actually be impacted? But the Lord says that it's those things that you did in secret. It's those, it's those decisions that you made behind closed doors that truly impact the kingdom of heaven. You cannot change yesterday. You, can, you cannot guarantee tomorrow. Today is all that you have. Think of it this way. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. The things that you want, the person you want to become, the things that you want to achieve in life, and the, and the goals and the dreams that God has put in your heart, they don't start tomorrow. They start right now. They start right now. I'm going to get a little bit more practical as we go on through this message to talk about how to take advantage of today. But today is the only day you can do anything about. Your future is created by what you do today. And then we have the use of today. 
the use of today. One thing that I, I believe that God has been speaking this week to me, because I have dreams, church. I have goals that I want to accomplish. And you know, oftentimes it's, it's when I start comparing myself to other people that I feel the most discouraged and the most hopeless in life. And I have, I have success, my own version of success that I want to, that I want to achieve. And I, I want to be the best husband that I can be. And I put a lot of pressure on myself, a lot of weight to be the best father and the best pastor that I can be. And this, these are some of the things that I believe that the Lord is showing me in Scripture as I've been, as I've been learning to take advantage of today. Is one thing that we can do to use today is that we can learn yesterday's lessons and forget about yesterday. Learn its lessons, but forget about yesterday. Let me give you an example. I, uh, in our first house, when we bought our house in Newburgh, uh, I installed our wood floors. So we took out all the carpet. We took out, we took out carpet through the whole house, and I put wood floors through the whole house. And I tell you what, it was my first time, and every time I walked into my living room, I would just cringe a little bit inside because I could see all of my mistakes. I could see the cracks that I left by the side that the, the trim didn't cover. I could see when I didn't push the boards together and there's a staple sticking up. And I'm sure nobody else in my life could see those mistakes, but I saw those mistakes. But how many of you know that, that those lessons that I've learned now how to install a wood floor? And then the rooms after that looked a lot better than the first room that I started with. I, I learned a lot through my mistakes so the next time I go to install wood floors, in fact, I was helping my dad remove his old flooring and help him install flooring in his house. And the mistakes that I had made yesterday helped inform my, my ability to do it today. I'm not going to allow the mistakes of my past to keep me from doing what God wants me to do moving forward. I can't allow those mistakes to keep me from doing a better job next time. Some of you might have painful regrets. Some of you maybe have gone through a failed marriage. Or maybe some of you have kids who aren't following Jesus anymore and you think that that was your fault. You, you, you hold that on your shoulders. You walk with that every single day. Some of you have wasted opportunities in your life or maybe you believe that you have wasted relationships in your life. But here's the thing. Here's, here's what God, I think, wants to speak over those of us who are living in, in regret of the past, is that we cannot allow the enemy to keep us static by dangling those mistakes in our face. Shame is one of the most crippling tools that the enemy uses. And there's a difference between shame and conviction. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And conviction, when we make a mistake, it's, that, it's the prodding of the Holy Spirit that comes, and he says, listen, you messed up. But you can repent. You can change your ways. You can turn, you can turn away from the, the, the ways that you're living, and you can keep moving forward. And it almost energizes you because the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a sweet sound. It's the gentle nudge of the Lord saying, listen, I saw that you made a mistake, but I still love you, and I still want you to keep moving forward. So we repent. We, say, we, we apologize to who we need to apologize for, and we keep moving forward. But here's what shame does. Shame says, you're no longer worthy to keep going. You stop here. The mistakes that you have made are now going to define you. If anybody else figured out what you did, they would feel like you're worthless. And so we isolate ourselves, we keep ourselves away from people, and we live in this crippling shame 
and we, we, we stay static because we're, we're afraid to move forward. Conviction is of God. Shame is of the devil. We can't live in shame. Another thing that we can do to use today is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. You should be planning for tomorrow. We plan for tomorrow, but we don't live for tomorrow. We plan for tomorrow, but we don't live for it. What do I mean? Matthew chapter 6, verse 27 and 31 through 34, it says this. Jesus said this. He said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. This is refreshing to hear from Jesus. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's okay to plan for tomorrow, but we don't live for tomorrow. Jesus wants us to focus on today. He wants us to focus on how we act and how we respond today. What can we do to take advantage of today? I've got three things, and I hope that these three things are helpful, that they're practical, that you can take them home. What can I do today? If Jesus wants me to focus on today, then what should, be, what should I be looking for each day? What should I be focusing on? The first one is this. Number one, I need to align my life with God's definition of success. Align your life with God's definition of success. Our definitions of success, they have to change in order to live a fulfilling life. Because if we continue to pursue our definitions of success, then we will chase the wind our entire life. Because it's never good enough. We never measure up. We never arrive. Did you know that in the Bible, success is always linked to obedience to God? It's always been linked to obedience to God. When Israel was obedient to God, they conquered the enemy, they took the land, they were provided for, they, they, there were times of peace. When Israel was obedient to God, they were successful. And when they disobeyed God, that's when calamity happened. That's when, that's when trouble came. God has always linked success, his definition of success, with obedience to him. You are successful when you, when you obey the Lord, when you love his word, when you follow after his word. I love what Psalms chapter 1, we're going to be going through the book of Psalms this summer and from June to the end of the summer into September, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be studying and the, the book of Psalms and allowing the word of God to refresh our souls. I believe that it's going to be a refreshing summer. I'm looking forward to it because I think the Psalms is one of the most refreshing and life-giving books in the whole Bible. And we're, uh, we're going to start uh, in the beginning of June, and I'm going to preach on this chapter right here, Psalms chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3, it says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, 
which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and get this, whatever they do prospers. Do you want to prosper? Do you want God to bless your life? Then it's linked to obedience to his word. It's connected to loving the law of the Lord, to loving his word, to delighting in his word, to taking joy in the words of God. So often we separate ourselves from our personal success and, and our obedience to God. So often we, we keep those things separate. We, we compartmentalize our spiritual life with our other life. Right? There's a time for my spiritual life. But the Lord wants our lives to be interwoven with his desires for us. And when we delight in his word, when we take joy in his law, and we follow the Lord, we obey him, our lives are prosperous. They're successful. He blesses our life. But we have to align our lives with God's definition of success. And that means every morning waking up and saying, God, how can I obey you today? I want to be successful today, so how can I obey you today? Show me where to go, who to talk to, the things to say. Give me patience for my kids. Give me, give me grace for my spouse. God, I, I want to be successful. Help me to follow your word today. Align our lives with God's definition of success. That's something that we can do today, every day. But today we have an opportunity to follow after God's heart. A second thing, which I, I believe has been really powerful this week to me, it, it, it's this. We can create a mission statement for my life. Create a mission statement for your life. What do I mean by that? Whether you know it or not, your life and your family is driven by a mission statement, a set of unspoken values and principles that you live your life by. And so if you're the CEO of a company or you're some, even pastors of churches and, and, and leaders of an organizations, they are oftentimes what they like to do is they like to develop a mission statement. And a vision statement and a set of values and principles that they're going to lead by. And they let everybody know in their congregation or their organization or whoever they're leading. And everybody in the organization knows that these are the principles that we live by. These are the values that we uphold. These are the values that we live by. Even families. Your family, if you do not have an explicit mission statement or an explicit, something that is set out loud, a set of values or principles, you have uh, unspoken values and unspoken principles that your family lives by. Let me give you an example. Perhaps an unspoken value in your home is cleanliness. You might not even know it, but your kids know that every time dinner is over, they're supposed to pick up their plate and take it into the sink and put it away or else mom's going to yell at them. It's an unspoken value that in our house, we value organization and cleanliness. Maybe some of you in your home, respect for mom and dad or obedience to mom and dad is an unspoken value. That This is something that we uphold in our family, that you obey mom and dad, that you respect mom and dad. And some of these things could be good. Some of these things can be bad if taken out of proportion. But that we all live, even personally, uh, in our own lives, we live by a set of unspoken values and principles. And here's the importance of determining those things up front, of being proactive. If you are proactive 
and you determine what are those values, what are those things that God has called me to live my life by? What are those values that I see in Scripture that God wants me to live by? When, when you lay those things out and you write them down and you speak them out loud and you make it consciously known to yourself that these are the values that I live by, then you will be proactive. In other words, you will carry your own weather with you. For those who, who don't know the values that they live by, they're reactive. They live by, they live by the circumstances that arise and, and come up. They live by uh, um, when, when somebody's in a bad mood and they say something against you or, or they come and they share their, their moodiness with you. You're reactive and you share their weather and their cloud kind of comes and hovers over your head. But when you set out a mission statement for your life, a set of values and principles for your life, then you create your own weather. And no matter where you go, you carry the sun with you. And so you're not reactive. When somebody comes and, they, and they're moody or they, or they say something to you that is, that is meant to offend you or hurt your feelings, you don't react to that. You don't respond to that because you carry your own weather with you. Does that make sense? I think we're called to live proactively knowing that, that, that God has designed my relationship with him to be one that sets me up to be unoffendable by people. It sets me up to carry my weather so that I can love unconditionally whoever I meet, whoever I'm with. It doesn't matter if you don't respect me. It doesn't matter if you don't honor me. It doesn't matter if you say something against me. God has called me to love you unconditionally, and I can do that because I'm not living by your opinion of me, and I'm not living in reaction to your emotions at me. I'm living according to the values and the principles and the things that God has laid out in his word. When your life is led from principles instead of goals or circumstances, then you will live from a place of being instead of a place of doing. Success will suddenly be defined by how you live your principles every day, by how you, you live out your values and the things that God has placed in your life every single day. We can't worry about tomorrow, but today... When that person that kind of annoys you comes up to you and starts talking to you, you can make the choice. Am I going to live by the principles and the values and the things that God has laid in my heart to be a person of honor, to be a person who shows unconditional love? Am I going to live that way or am I going to live reactive to how they treat me? That's exhausting. If you live in reaction to everybody who shares their bad emotions with you. That is an exhausting way to live. But when you live a life that says, you know what, I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. I'm sorry that maybe I'm offending you. I've offended you or I've, I've hurt you. But you know what? I'm going to love you regardless. I'm going to show you honor and respect regardless because that's who God has made me to be. Create a mission statement. For your life. You want to hear something that I'm, I'm working out for my mission statement? And, and your mission statement, I, I encourage every single one of you, if you haven't wrote something out, to go home today and just write out a mission statement for your life. What are those values that you can live out? And, and don't feel like you have to have it all completely figured out today. I think, 
a mission statement for your life is something that you develop over the years and you refine. And as, as you're inspired by other people and things that you read in Scripture, your mission statement can develop over time. But, but here's just initially this week. I, like I said, I'm preaching to myself this week. This is initially something that God laid on my heart. So here's, here's what I wrote out. My mission is to sacrificially love my wife, to show my kids the grace and compassion of Jesus, and to show kindness to others one person at a time. You can steal some of that if you want. I don't care. But I encourage every single one of you to go home and begin to write out a mission statement for your life. For me, it's sacrifice. It's grace and compassion and kindness that I believe those are the values that I want to live my life by. And I'm sure I'll be adding to this as I, as I move forward, as God, as God shows me more things. I'll, I'll be adding to this mission statement. But today we can begin to, to be proactive and start to carry our own weather every single day. So the first thing was align my life with God's definition of success, that it's always been linked to obedience to God's word. Se- second thing is today I have an opportunity to create a mission statement for my life, to be proactive. And the third thing is that I believe that we all need to learn to identify and celebrate the little wins. The little wins. What do I mean by that? Let me ask you this question. Do you ever arrive at being the perfect husband? Yeah, I heard somebody say yes. Wow, that's pretty bold. (laughs) Yeah, I should ask you. I should ask your wife. Do you ever arrive at being the perfect father or mother? No. Do you ever arrive at being the perfect friend? or being the best follower of Jesus. We never arrive at these places. There's no, there's no way to measure whether or not I made it. I'm the best follower of Jesus. My spiritual growth is complete. I'm all done. I'm cooked and ready to go. Or I, am the, I made it. I'm the best father I can possibly be. I'm the best husband I can possibly be. We never arrive at these, at these areas in our life. We never actually make it. So how do we celebrate success in these areas? How do, we, how, do we celebrate when, how do we celebrate these things in our life? It's learning to identify the little wins and the little defining moments every single day. I chose grace for my kids. I chose compassion. In the past, I've reacted in anger. In the past, I've, I've reacted uh, with, 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 with punishment, with harsh words, and I've had to go back and apologize. But today, I was patient. Today, I was full of compassion. That's a win. I can celebrate that. And when you begin to celebrate those wins and those little defining moments in your life, you begin to replicate them more and more and more. In your marriage, as in your parenting, in your grandparenting, when you're at work, when you're with your friends, we celebrate these little wins in our life. Because we never arrive, we, we learn to, to recognize the little wins in our life. Let me tell you a story. Uh, my... One of my favorite actors growing up, and don't judge me for this, okay, church, has always been Jim Carrey. I am a big fan of Jim Carrey, have always been a big fan of Jim Carrey. He's always made me laugh. He's always, he's always had some, some, some funny movies for me. And I read this story. He, I actually saw him. He talked about this in an interview that I watched because I've watched documentaries about him. And he just, he's just a fascinating guy. He's kind of a weirdo now to be honest. But in 1985, some of you may have heard this story. In 1985, Jim Carrey wrote a check, a $10 million check for himself. 
and he postdated it Thanksgiving of 1995. He gave himself 10 years to cash a $10 million check for his acting abilities. And so in 1985, he wrote the check, and in December of 1994, Dumb and Dumber was released. And guess how much money Jim Carrey made for Dumb and Dumber? He made $10 million for Dumb and Dumber. And so he, he cashed his $10 million check. His fame grew. He, he did Ace Ventura after that. He did The Mask, you know, recently. Or he did The Mask shortly after that. And his fame just grew and grew and grew. And I watched a couple years ago in this interview. And Jim Carrey, if you hear him talk now, he, 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 he says this a lot. He'll say stuff like, life is meaningless, and I'm just this projection of myself. I'm not actually here. You're not actually here. We're all just projections of ourselves. Life is completely meaningless, and what are we doing here? And, and he, he's adopted this, this spirituality that life is meaningless. And I saw in this interview, this interviewer sat him down and said, Jim, I just got to ask, when did all of this start? When did you start believing all of these things? And with 100% honesty, Jim Carrey looked at the camera and he said, it was when I had achieved everything that I thought I ever wanted in life. I had the money, I had the fame, I, ha I could get any acting job that I, that I wanted to because I, I was just at that level. It was when I had achieved everything in my life that I thought I wanted and I was still unhappy. He had arrived. He had arrived to his definition of success, but it wasn't good enough. It's chasing the wind. It's chasing the wind. And so, so for our lives, we have definitions of success that, that we want to live at. We, we have things we want to achieve, but it's all chasing the wind. The things that God truly counts as success aren't easily measured. They're not easily measured. You can't say you are the perfect father now. You are the perfect husband. You're the perfect friend. You're the perfect. You can't. The, the things that God says of success cannot be easily measured. So what we have to do is learn to identify wins and learn to identify when we are obedient, when we said yes to the values of God, when we said yes to those little defining moments. We celebrate those wins in our life. I don't believe that life was meant to be measured by achievements and by accolades. Instead, I think we measure life by little defining moments in each day. Today, you know, Jesus, Jesus didn't say this to his disciples. You never read in scripture saying, Jesus going, okay, disciples, today we brought in X amount of people into the fold. We're really doing it. We're, we're measuring up. We're finally getting somewhere. You never hear Jesus saying, today I spoke on the biggest stage in Capernaum. And people are finally getting to know my name. I'm achieving fame. I'm getting to where I want. No, Jesus never said that. You know what Jesus celebrated? Every day Jesus celebrated one person at a time. He celebrated one person at a time. His disciples would wake up in the morning next to him and say, okay, Jesus, what's on the agenda? What are we going to do today? And you know what Jesus would say? I have an appointment with one person. I'm going to go to Jerusalem today. There's a man who's been sitting by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He's on the agenda today. One person at a time. Jesus celebrated one person at a time. Little defining moments every single day. 
Christina, my wife, began a, a character chart in our home for our kids. Because we've noticed, you know, there's little things and attitudes that are starting to shape up, you know, as our kids grow into toddlers and beyond. Little attitudes start to come up. And we started to think, you know, Christina had this idea. How can we enforce these good, how can we celebrate little wins? How can we enforce good character and, and, and these little wins that our kids have every, every day. So she created a character chart. Uh, and, and so when our kids exhibit things like um, obedience and patience and self-control and honesty and compassion and love, when they exhibit one of these characters, then we say, okay, you can put a sticker on Great job. You were so obedient or you were so patient with your sibling. Thank you for being honest. Go put a sticker on the character chart. And they know that after a certain amount of stickers, they're going to get uh, to go to the store and pick out a toy or something. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn to celebrate little wins with our kids every single day. To try to celebrate little things, the little, the little decisions, the little defining moments. Because, you know, my son Gideon, he doesn't understand how powerful it is when his sister scratches him on the face. And he has an opportunity to react to that and those moments when he decides not to. And he says, Zoe, that, and he uses his words. He says, Zoe, that was frustrating for me. I don't like it when you do that. But I, for, when, he, when he exhibits patience and self-control and compassion, he doesn't understand how powerful that is. That those little defining moments are going to eventually shape who he becomes. And if he continues to allow those little defining moments. If he says yes to the things of God and he keeps saying yes, I know that he's not going to be perfect. My kids are not going to be perfect. But it's going to shape. Those little defining moments shape who he becomes. And just for us, and the same thing goes for us, that little defining moments each day shape who we become. The obedience that we exercise to God in God's word, when we say yes to what God is doing in our life. And when we're obedient to God's word, it shapes who we are turning into. It doesn't start tomorrow. It starts right now. It starts today. But we have to understand the importance of today. We have to learn to forget about the worries of tomorrow because those suck the life out of us. The worries of tomorrow drain us when we begin to worry about how we're going to pay the bills and we begin to worry about what's going to happen in this to my kids or what's going to happen in this situation. When we begin to worry about tomorrow, we lose sight of the power of today, of the choices that I have today. What are those little wins in your life that you can seek out and celebrate each day? In order to celebrate those little wins, you have to first define them you have to create a mission statement or a set of values. It, it could be a statement. It could be, it could be a, a saying. It could be a, just a list of values that, that you want to live your life by. But we have to create these things in our life so that we can learn to celebrate the wins. So three things again. Align my life with God's definition of success. That success has always been linked to obedience to God's word. Number two, create a mission statement or a set of values. Be proactive so that you can begin to carry your own weather today. And number three, learn to identify and celebrate those little defining wins in your life so that you can replicate them more and more and more and become the person that God wants to turn you into. Those decisions start today.
church. Can we all stand together? Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you that we have an opportunity. God, today is not, you don't want us to take it for granted. Today has power. Our words have power. Our decisions have power. The things uh, that we even say no to in our life have power. Father, I thank you that you have a, a, you have a goal in mind for us, Father. Your word says that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And that you desire to grow us into spiritual maturity. Father, we so desperately want to wake up tomorrow morning and just be there. <laughs> we so desperately want to open our eyes tomorrow and, and we've, we've arrived. But God, we know that you didn't create life that way. Father, you made it so that we would make little defining moments, little choices every single day. God, help us to read your word to love your word. God, I pray that you would give the word of God a fresh value in, in the hearts of, of this church, Father, that, that we would open up your word and just be so in love and entranced by it. God, I thank you that you're growing us, you're shaping us, and I, I pray for, for patience and, and, and compassion as we do that. Help us love one person at a time, the people that are in front of us, Help us to carry your own weather with those people. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. And, and the church said, amen. amen.